Welcome to the Steady On Podcast, where God's hard truth meets your hard story. I don't need to tell you that life gets hard. Life gets hard, really hard. But God's faithfulness is still active and alive in our hard. And these episodes are dedicated to remembering and claiming the promises of a faithful God. I'm your host, Angie Bauman. I'm a pastor and Bible teacher, founder of Steady On Ministries, and creator of the Step-by-Step Bible Study Method. But more than that, I'm a trauma and abuse survivor who carried a heavy weight of shame and worthlessness for many years, and I still struggle, but I live in much more freedom now because I know God through His Word and speak truth to the lies of the enemy with His Word. And that's what we do here. On Mondays, we take it in by studying the promises of God, And on Wednesdays, we live it out with teaching and testimony on the promises of God. So thank you for tuning in, my friend. You are the reason for this show, and I'm so very, very glad you are here. Let's get started. Welcome. Today, we're going to take it in with Psalm 34.5 using my step-by-step Bible study method. And you'll find links to a study sheet as well as videos for the step-by-step masterclass in today's show notes if you'd like to learn more. So Psalm 34, 5 in the NIV says this, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. And just a quick overview of the book of Psalms. And this is from the Bible knowledge commentary information. And it says that the longest, that Psalms is the longest collection of biblical poetry in the Bible. It is a book that consists of prayers and hymns and laments and songs covering a broad range of human experience. It's one of the things that I love so much about the Psalms is there's just so much raw honesty in there. The Psalms are often used in worship in the Old Testament. You will see the Psalms quoted in other books in the Old Testament and New Testament too, but often um, the books of Psalms is quoted in other places. And the Bible Knowledge Commentary says, of all the books in the Old Testament, the book of Psalms most vividly vividly represents the faith of individuals in the Lord. And again, I like, I like that it represents an individual's faith in the Lord in all like seasons of faith, if you will, right? There's this immense joy and gratitude and thanksgiving and connection. There's questioning and wrestling. There's repentance. There's turning away. There's just, it's just all seasons of faith. And I think that's one of the reasons that I'm so again, drawn to the Psalms just for their honesty. And then the last thing that I wanted to point out from the Bible Knowledge Commentary is that it says the Psalms are the inspired responses of human hearts to God's revelation of himself, how we experience him. Psalm 34, where we're going to camp out today, there's 22 verses in Psalm 34. And this information about this particular Psalm is from the Enduring Word Commentary. Again, all my resources are listed in the show notes. The Psalm is titled A Psalm of David When He Pretended Madness Before Abimelech. And Abimelech is a title given to rulers among the Philistines. And this ruler's, this Abimelech's proper name is going to be um, Achish. A-C-H-I-S-H. And it's a, this psalm is about the time in David's life when King Achish, Achish drove David away and he departed. And you find that reading, if you're curious about what's going on there, you'll find that reading in 1 Samuel 21.10 through 22.1, if you want to take a peek on that. After this happened, David like feigns madness and then he he goes away and he retreats into the cave, a cave. And there he was joined by a lot of men, a lot of people, a lot of men. 
And the Bible says that they, the Bible commentary says that they were desperate men. Um, kind of like I've heard it declared sort of like they were ragtag men, if you will. And this psalm, it says um, again, back in enduring word, this joyful and wise psalm seems to have been written from that cave and sung in the presence of those men. The structure of the psalm is like an acrostic or nearly it's close to an acrostic where each verse begins with another letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the purpose of an acrostic is really to encourage learning and memorization. So there's a couple of different parts kind of of the psalm. It's divided up into the first part is about calling God's people to praise. And then the second part is teaching the people of God. And so we're going to be in the first part calling God's people to praise in a section that really focuses on the testimony of the delivered one. So if you think about David, he's running from Saul He's before this Philistine ruler. Um, he pretends to be mad. He escapes whatever destruction from Saul, whatever destruction from the Philistines. He runs into this cave. He's uh, got this place of sort of like refuge, but he's still on the run. He's joined by all of these, I don't know, outcasts or ragtag, desperate men, if you will. And we're catching him in the middle of this psalm of praise. And he's giving testimony because he's been delivered. So I'm going to read this again, 34, five, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Step one in the step-by-step Bible study method is to choose our word. Our word for today is radiant. The English definition of radiant means to send out light or to shine or glow brightly, to send out light or to shine or glow brightly. Here are some opposites of the word dull, dark, dim, lackluster, black, gloomy, somber, cloudy, sad, sullen, miserable, troubled. And then this word doleful, D-O-L-E-F-U-L, I had to look that up. It means filled with grief, mournful, or bringing feelings of sadness. So if you plug that back in, if we plug the opposite, It sounds like really heavy and wrong, but I'm going to do it just so you can kind of feel it. Those who look to him are gloomy. Uh Uh-uh, this is the 180 of that. Those who look to him are miserable. No, those who look to him are dull and dark and somber and sad. No, the scripture says those who look to him are radiant. Step two in the step-by-step method is to investigate. We divide that up into four parts. And part one is to compare this word in other translations. Some other translations uh, used translated this word into lightened. The CEB said will shine. The ERV said smile on your face. The EXB said happy. The NLV shined with joy, the YLT bright. So listen as I plug just a couple of those back in. Those who look to him, And of course, when we're talking about him, we're talking about God, God, the father, those who look to him are lightened. Those who look to him will shine. Those who look to him will have a smile on their face. Those who look to him are happy. They shine with joy and they are bright. That's what we're talking about here. And then the second part of that verse said, their faces are never covered with shame. Part two of the investigate step is to research the original word and the Strong's number for my friends who like to know the Strong's number is H5102. The Hebrew word is nahar, nahar, uh, N-A-H-A-R. 
it is a root word that means, and wait for this, okay, because this just made me like so happy. The root word is to sparkle. Oh my goodness. Now plug that back in. Those who look to him will sparkle. Their faces are never covered in shame. Amen, my friend. So the English definition of sparkle, which you're probably like, Ange, I know what sparkle means, but listen, it means to emit flashes of light, to twinkle, to throw off ignited or incandescent particles, to be cheerful, to emit flashes of light. It's like, even if we're going through something hard, or even if we're in a struggle, when we look to him, we receive from him and our countenance sparkles. Our countenance emits flashes of light. I'm telling you, in a season of darkness, or even in a world that sometimes feels so dark, it is a beautiful, precious, good thing to know that we have the ability to shine that we have the ability to sparkle, not so just our faces are not covered in shame, but so that we are a a beacon of hope in something that actually seems without that hope, quite dark and gloomy. And some of these antonyms that we were reading, right? Lackluster and sad and sullen, but we can be the opposite of that. Why? Because we have it in our own strength? No, because we remember to look to him. Part three of the investigate step is to read commentary. Here are just a couple of things from the enduring word. It says, many others have known and will know what it is to set the focus of their loving trust upon God and receive his help. I'm going to read it one more time. Many others have known and will know what it is to set the focus of their loving trust upon God and receive his help. And this reminds me, so the verse for steady on is Psalm 40 verse two, which says, he set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. But Psalm 40 40 verse three, which I also love so much says, many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Why? Because when we look to him and he steadies us, we are radiant because our life is perfect, no, but because we have this trust, because our feet are on solid ground, and we know that we can take step after step after step because we depend on his strength, and we depend on his promises, and we depend on his faithfulness. The enduring word goes on to say, the more we can think upon our Lord and the less upon ourselves, the better. Looking to him as he is seated upon the right hand of the throne of God will keep our heads and especially our hearts steady, that actually is the word from the enduring word, when going through the deep waters of of affliction. And that is cited in Spurgeon from enduring word. And then the enduring word goes on to say, radiant is a word found again in Isaiah 60 verse five, where it describes a mother's face lighting up at the sight of her children long given up for lost. And then one more from the enduring word, David also knew that God would never forsake the one who trusts in him. God would give him two things. Listen for this. Those who trust in him, God gives him her two things, confidence in the moment and vindication in time. We can lift our head out of shame 
oh, this hits home for me so much. We can lift our head out of shame and lock eyes with him, knowing that we he will give us confidence in the moment and vindication in time. And I might add in his time. The Bible Knowledge Commentary says, David here recorded this report of his deliverance. Because he cried and was delivered, he was convinced that God's people are never put to shame. Instead, they are radiant because God hears them and rescues them from their troubles. The IVP Women's Bible Commentary says, Thrilled by the experience of answered prayer, David invites all God's people to discover such happiness by looking to the Lord in reverence. Part four of the investigate step is to rewrite the verse in our own words. And I'm going to read it again, go all the way back to, to our main, our, our starting point here. In the NIV, Psalm 34, 5 says, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. And I rewrote the verse in my own words like this. When I turn my thoughts away from my trouble and focus them squarely on the goodness and presence of God, I will glow with the remembrance of his love and promises declared over my life. I will not hold my head down in shame. I will feel his hand under my chin, lifting my eyes to lock with his. When I was studying this verse on my own, I just had this vision of how often I have walked with my head down. I remember when I was younger and just carrying so much shame that sometimes I would see an acquaintance, you know, in the supermarket or somewhere, you know, just you run across somebody, right? You're, you're like crossing paths and I would put my head down and I probably came across as very rude um, because somehow I guess I told myself if I put my head down, they won't see me. But it wasn't because I didn't like the other person or didn't want to talk to the other person, but it just was because my first thought was like shame and they won't want to talk to me or it's better if they don't see me or I can't even articulate it very well. But I just have this memory of when I would see someone instead of looking at them or greeting them or smiling at them or pausing to have a word or how are you or anything like that. My first thought, my first, my instinct was to put my head down. And I, as I was studying this, I just had this vision of God, like, like a loving parent, like reaching his hand out and putting his gentle hand under my chin and lifting it so that my eyes locked with his, and I could see the love in his eyes. When my kids are struggling, or if they maybe have been, I don't know, not really caught in something, but you know, they're like, they're tangled up maybe in something that they probably maybe got themselves in or something like that, or someone hasn't been kind to them and they're just, they're wrestling with shame for one reason or another. One of the things I have often said to my kids, maybe it's because of what I just described to you. I never put that together, but I've often said to my boys, look at my eyes, please. And they won't want, they'll shake their head no at first sometimes. And I'll say, look at my eyes, please. And they lift up their face and they look in my eyes and I'll ask them, what do you see there? What do you see in my eyes? And they say, love. And I'm like, that's right. That's right. And that's never going to change. 
And I have extended that to my children over and over again when I knew it was the right thing to do, right? When when they what they most need to hear isn't, well, you should have, or if you wouldn't have, or whatever the case may be, right? What they most need to hear is there is an unconditional love here that is non-negotiable. It does not change. It doesn't waver. It doesn't mean we don't have to deal with wherever we are, right? But this love that you have seen in my eyes before, you will find there, even though right now you'd like to look away from it. And as I was studying this Psalm, this verse and this Psalm and thinking about this, that's what I could feel him doing and why I've never thought about him doing that for me, the way I've done it for my boys, I can't tell you. But today I think about it and I've been returning to it over and over again since I studied this. I hope you feel that today. I hope wherever you are today, whatever you might be dealing with, that you feel that loving hand under your chin, just lifting your face to lock eyes with him and him asking you, what do you see in my eyes? My friend, the answer is love. That's what we'll always find there. So step three is to find the character of God, the heart of God, which I was just describing, but here's a couple of things that I wrote down. I wrote that God is gentle, that shame is a heavy burden, but the shame bearer is delicate. Like me, as it like, it might seem like we're aloof or cold or strong, but actually we're very delicate. Those of us who are carrying shame and God lifts my head with gentleness, inviting me to trust his touch. And then I also wrote that he was patient, that he is patient. Shame encourages the bearer to look away, right? Something has happened and she feels unfit to stand in the presence of love and grace. And he must call her out of that belief and continually invite her to choose his truth declared over her life. I think about the Song of Solomon, chapter two, verse four. And I I love this psalm. And there's a a children's chorus that goes along with this, but it says he brought me to this banqueting house and his banner over me was love. He brought me to his banqueting house and his banner over me is love. Step four is to identify the lie of the enemy. And here's the thing that I, that I hear as a caution that it's easy for me to be tempted to believe the lie of the enemy that says you don't get to look to God, at God, upon God anymore. You don't get to look that way. Don't lock eyes with him because your shame is bigger than his glory. Your shame disqualifies you from his help. Whatever it was, is, that was done to us, that we have done, whatever is causing that shame, we feel like that's bigger than his glory. And when we say it out loud, like, you know, it's not bigger than his glory. I know it's not bigger than his glory. But in that moment, when he's inviting us to trust him and lock eyes with him and feel his love, sometimes the first thing we feel is we don't deserve that, right? But go back to that Song of Songs 2-4. He brought me into his banqueting house. He brought me to his banqueting table. His banner over me is love. Step five, as we wrap up, is called So What, where we just focus on a takeaway. And my takeaway today is don't overcomplicate this, Angie. Don't drag other baggage into it. Receiving help truly is as simple as lifting your head to lock eyes with him. It doesn't matter if you previously forgot to do it. Now you remember, you can do it now. 
I'd love to hear your takeaway. If you have one today, you can email me anytime at steadyonpodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't yet, I'd be so grateful if you would subscribe to the podcast on whatever directory you use to listen. It only takes a second and it guarantees you'll receive every episode as soon as they drop. And I encourage you to tune in on Wednesday this week for our Live It Out episode with Teresa Whiting. Teresa joined me to talk about women with sexual brokenness in the Bible and how God responds to his daughters who have been hurt in this way. It's a powerful conversation, and I really encourage you to join us for it. It's a wonderful example of our verse from today, Psalm 34, 5. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you're walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.